Welcome to Unstructured Unlocked, a podcast where listeners discover how enterprise data and automation leaders are solving their most complex unstructured data challenges. I'm your host, Chris Wells. Welcome to another episode of Unstructured Unlocked. I'm your host, Chris Wells, VP of R&D at Indico Data. And today I'm really happy to introduce my guest, Martin Schott, an, uh, an automation leader in the chemical industry. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you. Um, you've you've had a, a really different experience and career path than some of the guests we've had, different in all of the best ways. And so I want to make sure we dig into your specialties as we go. But as we get started, could you just tell us about your journey, where you've been, and um, you know what's on your mind today as you think about automation? So um, I used to be responsible for like rolling out robotics in a big chemicals and paint company and we started implementing there um, and it was usually seen as something exotic um, and we, we we worked on automating processes in mainly back office processes uh, and it was part of the of the overall continuous improvement program i was responsible for for these back office processes and and i really see that as a part of of improving so automation for us was a very, very big part of improving our processes. Interesting. Uh, so this is one of the ways in which uh, you're different from some of the folks that we've talked to. Talk to me about the broader sort of continuous improvement framework to help our guests maybe understand how automation might fit inside of that. So at first it was automation was seen as like the golden egg or the silver bullet. Uh, um, I'm not sure about the vernacular, but um, so, but then we, we started to realize that it should be part of a framework where you should like look at a process and say, okay, eliminate stuff. So we don't want to do this anymore at, at the first place. And then we, we standardize, we simplify, and then we automate. So it's part of, a, of an overall process instead of just saying, hey, let's, let's throw some automation at a process that's not so good. And then yeah. we sit there and wait for the, the, uh, the savings to roll in. Yeah, uh, because they don't. They don't. Yeah, no. it turns out bad processes are bad, whether robots are doing them or people. Yeah, and and uh, yes, and and um, if you don't have your process standardized or even this uh, have described it well, you spend a lot of time automating it, um, and then they look at you and say, "Hey, why didn't it take twelve weeks as it said on the box?" Right. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and then you're mad at vendors and you're mad at technologists and yeah. Yeah, and the whole IT landscape comes crashing down on you. And then, yeah, then and then everybody's looking at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I really like that framing and that, that's been a recurring topic on, on the podcast, which is in the last few years, as automation centers of excellence have really started to mature and kind of figure out what they are and how to operate uh, efficiently, getting to what's the right process before you get to what's the right automation, um, I think has been a really transformative idea in the space. Absolutely. And it's not a very popular uh, uh, opinion because no. people go to to these vendors and, and, they, and the vendor will say, oh, well, we can just automate this in 12 weeks. Yeah. For sure. But you have to do some work. Yeah, Beforehand. you have to know what you have to know what this is, right? Exactly. And the vendor, exactly. the vendor doesn't, right? They don't know what you're doing. No. 
So if yeah. you know what this is, then, then you can go quickly. And, and that's the whole, so I see this more as like a, an, a, a, an integral part of continuing continuous improvement uh, where, where automation is one of the things in the toolbox. And then it yeah. could be very cool and it can be yeah. very, very helpful. Um, to give an yeah. example, we were looking, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm running ahead of the of, of no, your question. No, go for it. Yeah, that's fine. No, but we were looking at uh, at automation, automating our invoice process. So we, we'd have like a couple of hundreds of inboxes where people would send us their invoice. Yep. And then there would, would be loads of folks, you know, reading those invoices and then saying, oh, this, this belongs to Singapore and this goes to, to the Netherlands and stuff like that. So yeah. that was one of the things we were looking at. And that was quite interesting to, to yeah. be able, well, to, to start working on automating it, but it was hard. It was really hard. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to circle back to that one and dive a little deeper on it. But before we do that, you have worked in and uh, run centers of excellence for automation. Talk to me, uh, of, you know, in your experience, how are those things set up from everything from how do they interact with the business to who are the right people to be on the team to, and you don't have to tell me the names of the technologies if that's uncomfortable, but just like what are the core technologies that you need to have involved? So the main one where I worked, um, we, we were basically just getting out of the project phase. Uh, ah. and, and then we were really starting up um, because of it was a, because of it was a project um, and, and the project stopped and we started being a real department. Yeah. Uh, all all the, the, the knowledgeable people went away. So we basically had to okay. start again. <laughs> um, yep. And then the IT people say, well, why are you doing this? You should belong to us. Uh, my department said, well, no, you belong to us. So that, it was a huge political issue uh, and, and, and not really helpful, uh, I yeah. think, in, if you look at the company's benefits. Um, so that was kind of the landscape. So I spent a lot of time ex ex explaining to, to our IT folks, but also to our business folks, uh, who we were, what we were doing, um, saying, hey, I'm not here to hack your SAP system and I'm not going to destroy your 20-year strategy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and to the business that I cannot deliver, you know, wishes in, in like six weeks. So th that was kind of a balance to strike. It, yeah. And it was, it, it was, it was quite difficult. Um, and end of the day here in the Netherlands, it stuff depends a lot on trust. I, I yeah. couldn't just go in and say, Hey, my boss's boss says you have to open the door and open it nicely. Um, yeah they would just say rude words and not open the door in the first place right so that 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 forming of of this whole uh structure with people um developing relationship and explaining what you were trying to do that was that was the tough bit i think i, I think the technology so we were working with a couple of sap variants yep. um and, and a very well-known uh automation software um that was not the issue. Yeah, uh, it, it was getting people on board because they didn't really know what we were trying to do. And, yeah. and if you talk to a solution architect that has like this five-year plan, uh, and, and and you're going basically you're going in with a bandaid. Yeah. Uh, they say, well, we can we can fix this. Okay, what's the cost? Well, it's five million euros. Do you have five million euros? No, we don't. 
okay you know so that was kind of the the the, con yeah. the continuous discussion there it was in hindsight it's quite funny but at the moment it was very frustrating frustrating yeah absolutely so uh where in the organization did you know did the automation team end up so we were positioned in our uh end of the day in the finance column um okay yeah and that that had a, a quite an interesting dynamic because the our, our, our IT people were also in the finance column, um, okay. but they ended up at the top at the at the CIO level. Um, ah. So, but we were part of the shared services function, the the the, the global okay. business function kind of. Yeah, so you were embedded with the business that that benefited most from the work that you were doing. I guess is how I would phrase that. Uh, not always, because in the okay. terms of, of invoice processing, for example. Yeah. or doing a goods receipt robot uh the, the the procurement folks were were benefiting most because they didn't have angry angry suppliers uh, and, and that made it even more interesting in the british sense of the word that that um we were doing the we were making the cost we were creating the cost but the real yeah. benefit of happy suppliers was not sitting with us huh. and and that turned into another you know interesting thing and and okay how do you create benefit and, and yeah, how do you, how do you show the value? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and if I look at just my little part of the world, you don't. No, yeah, no, I've I've been there. I think um, for all of the uh, for all of the automation COE leads out there, like this is something that, especially if you're in early days, you have to be thinking carefully about. Like, who do I work for? Who sees the benefit? And again you were talking about you were sort of in a startup phase like you have to really spend a lot of time um communicating well to the rest of the organization what it is that you know that's going right and why they should care and we did a like a a round of, of quite big corporations saying okay what did you do with your rpa yeah and and end of the day only one of them could say we saved fte we saved cost yeah. Um, and then, and then, in a, like in, in the byline, they said, "Yeah, but we invested 300 people for three years before that." So, you know, to, to no, but to structure the the processes right before before, yeah. like like, and it's all eliminate strategy. Yeah. Strategy. They they put a lot of effort in it. So yeah. I, I I have not come across, and maybe I'm not looking well, but I have not come across companies that say, "Oh, we put RPA in, and then we saved." whatever xf right yeah we fired 20 people next day right like, yeah. I, yeah. I i think that story i think there are stories like that out there and i've heard them but i think also like many good stories they get sort of you know made fantastic over time it's like the fish goes from being this big to it's this big right i was going to say are you a fisherman because then, yeah exactly. then you, you, yeah. you know what i mean it's it's and and if you dig deeper, then there's a whole program behind it, which yeah. for me makes a lot of sense. Yep. But if it's sold to an executive, like, okay, we buy automation anywhere, we buy UI path, whatever, um, yeah. and, and then all your problems are going to go away and it's going to wash your car, that's not yeah. happening. That's right. And it makes the best espresso ever. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it's been, it's been four or five years since I, you know, tried to buy an RPA platform. But I remember I, I was working in finance at the time and I remember asking the question like, 
audit and governance are really important to us. Like we're going to spin up all these bots and we've got all these citizen developers running around making things. How do we keep track of it? And the answer was, uh, I don't know. I hope you do. Good luck. Um, and I, to, to their credit, in the, in the intervening time, I think especially the biggest RPA platforms have started to add features and functionality that make governance at least easier. Um, but it is, it is a problem. It's not just like you have bots and they use CPU time and you pay a license fee. It's really, you have to have a framework and, and people that are, that are making sure, just like you have HR for the human workers, you have to have governance and audit for the, for the robotic workers. Yeah. So, so that again was, um, was quite a, a journey that yeah. our, our legal department didn't really get what a, what a, what a robot was. Um, like, yeah, yeah, I, I frowned as well. Uh, it's, uh, it's, and, and so I had to explain and I'm like, okay, but if we have a, a third company, like, a, um, one of the big shared service companies in the world, they develop a robot who owns the, the intellectual, um, property of that. Yeah. And we had to really start from scratch on that. That was really, yeah. um, and as a, as a byproduct, we also had to start on scratch from, from scratch on the, 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 the processes they were doing manually, like with people. So yes. we did, we didn't own that IP either. So all those processes were not ours. So yes. that's, that's was one of the things. And we really had to start. Okay. What's this thing doing? What's, what server is it hitting? Um, what processes is it hitting? Uh, how does this really work? And I had to explain all the time uh, and and when people think of robots they think of i don't know arnold schwarzenegger taking over the yeah. world right <laughs> and, uh, and you go like well oh, that's like a human but one that doesn't sleep yeah ah okay okay <laughs> that, that was that whole governance bit was was also almost non-existent and so we had to build it um i wouldn't say it was perfect when I left this role, but you know, we, we had something. Yeah. Um, and we had, and the, the thing is we were also working with a third party. So, uh, that yeah. was also developing. Yeah. That, that makes it more fun. Yeah. Yeah. More fun. <laughs> I, you're very optimistic. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I since changed roles, So, uh, <laughs> I can so there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you raise a good point though, which is, um, even if the governance wasn't perfect, you were thinking about it and you got started on it. And I think one of the ways that this can go wrong is that you build a bunch of bots, you deploy them, you have the process out there. And then you have like that moment where you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh no, what if the bots break and you know, some data gets where it doesn't belong. Uh, and then you're trying to, then you're trying to do governance from scratch when there's pressure. Um, so even if it's not perfect, I think it's wise to it's, put something in place. It, um... I did maybe something stupid or wise. I don't know. Well, we'll see in 10 years, but I asked for an audit. Yeah. Um, and, and that was not a, a nice thing that the audit report wasn't, wasn't a very smiley, smiley document, yeah. but it gave me leverage to, to, you know, to bring in the IT people, to bring in the finance people and to really make something out of it instead of just being like a pet project or hobby project. Yeah. people start to realize, Hey, this is not going away. This is not somebody doing a macro and, you know, and then it's all fine. Yeah. Which circles back to that whole citizen development thing, but maybe we'll talk about that later. 
yeah, we'll make sure to circle back to that. I wanted to uh, I wanted to close the loop on the structure of the COE. So we talked about um, where where it sits in the organization. We talked about uh, the tech stack and some of the you know some of the bigger picture things like governance. Uh, the the people on the team, what roles, what skills uh, did you find to be really important? And if if anything was missing, what was missing? Um, so the team consisted of, of, uh, of like me being in the Netherlands, um, yeah. as a, like an intermediary between uh, process people, uh, and we had a team in, in India that was okay. developing yeah. things and they had, uh, real, like hard coders, like real tech people. And they had a business development person as well there. Um, uh, it was, yeah. it was a, a very small team, um, so I basically, it sounds really grassroots and it probably is, but I meet, I'd meet people uh, or I talk to people and, and they say, oh, we have an issue here. And I say, well, we can help you with RPA. Um, and then we'd set up meetings with the people in India, with the team in India to yeah. say, they would go really deep into the detail. Like, okay, when you say, you know, you post an invoice, what do you mean? Ah, yeah, I post an invoice. No, no, no. What's the SAP trend? What's the SAP system? What's the transaction? And what does it look like? But so they would go down deep uh, on, on that. Um, if I'd say what was missing, basically this whole structure of, okay, to a process owner person, okay, what does yeah. the process look like in your head? What should ah, it be? Okay. Because we had like sometimes for, for, for example, like invoice posting, we had like 70 versions of that. Oh, okay. And then somebody has to say, this is the way we post invoices. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so and it, it can't be me, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. No, ex exactly. And if, if the business is somehow, if only sort of implicitly or tac tacitly assuming that it's you, then something has gone wrong. You're, you're, that's not your, that's not your job. No, so it, would, the yeah, detail level, the detail, sorry, the detail level is is very important, and I found that uh, at, at in this instance, um, process owners were not really interested in detail on that detail on a transactional basis, and that's what you want. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you're really trying to, you want to know exactly what the subject matter expert, right, what they're doing like, as yeah. they as they process these transactions and. To your earlier point, you don't necessarily want to replicate every single step of that, but you need to know the what, so you can ask why, and then say, should we keep doing this, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So would you characterize that missing function as sort of like a business analyst type of role, or is there something something else that you would characterize it as? At the same time, we were also building this whole, what we call GPO structure, so global process owners, and then, okay. you know, and, and, and I, maybe in hindsight these people were not equipped yet you know that they, they, they there was so much stuff going on we were coming from a like a 200 companies conglomerate towards one way of working wow, wow. and that's and, big yeah that wasn't and again in hindsight it's fun but at yeah. the moment it wasn't it wasn't cool so so you need you need somebody to say this is how we post an invoice and this is what an invoice looks like. And it has a letterhead top left and it has our invoice statement, whatever, bottom right. 
And if you don't do that, then we will not pay you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and we were not there. So, I mean, that's not an excuse, but it, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the way that it is one of the ways these things go sideways is um, not having all of that stuff captured and the business thinking that the automation COE is going to do it. And the automation COE saying, no, that's, you have to help and uh, not meeting well, in the middle. The, 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 the automation COE can do it, but then you need to adjust your, your expectation level of, of that's right. speed. That's and, right. Yeah. And that's that's I think is the thing with this whole ESA thinking on on, on uh, that that it's it's not a silver bullet. It yeah. needs to be part of a program. Yeah, yeah. But then and there are twelve weeks, as it says on the box. Nope, not unless your process is so simple that you probably aren't going to gain that much benefit from it. Yeah, but right. And we wouldn't need. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's. I want to circle back now that we've talked about the people in the team. I want to talk a little bit about the citizen developer. I, I am of the firm opinion that uh, the concept of a citizen developer has been dramatically oversold um, and is also a little bit dangerous. And so I wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on citizen developers and that framing for automation. Yeah, I, I haven't figured it out yet. Um... We, we, we had a COE. So we had, we had like a couple of people that were doing all the robots and, and mm -hmm. they were responsible for it and for the governments, governance and for maintaining them and for everything that went wrong. So that was our model. Yeah. Um, we did have some vendors that was, okay, you know, everybody can be an RPA specialist, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but what if, what if John leaves and the robot goes wrong? Um, so I, I, I wasn't happy with that thing. On the other hand, I think people on the floor, on the, on the Gamba, on the shop floor, they, they really know what's going on. Yes. So how do we capture that knowledge? So I was kind of, I hadn't decided yet. So I, I was leaning towards the governance part because yeah, if, if people leave and back in the day, um, I had a guy that wrote a, a, a macro and, and then the millennium turned and the macro stopped working, right? So that, that, this is old school, right? This is, a, this uh, is really uh, old That's great. So, but I don't know. I think the governance part is important. The maintenance part is important. I, I re really like everybody on the shop floor to, to be thinking about how to improve. Yeah. And, and be able to do something about it because I think that's even more important that they have the, that they have the tools to, to, to improve their daily life. Um, my concern is how do we keep this in check? How do we make sure that stuff keeps running after five years or after three years or even next week? Right, yeah. So it's not a yes or no answer, sorry. No, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. And I, one of the things that you highlighted was that having the right people with the right knowledge build the automation uh makes it much quicker to do now you know those people could leave or you know they could stop yeah. being interested in that role and what or whatever it is right yeah. and then the danger is that that automation they built which is good and everyone likes it has become business critical and that's the place where so i think it's okay that you gave a yes and no answer i think it's actually both and like in, in a lot of ways, you want to have the freedom for people to start automating, especially that low-hanging fruit. But 
at the point where it does become business critical, everyone has to be eyes wide open and say like, okay, this now needs to fit into a framework. It needs to be resilient. We need to have a dev region, a prod region, whatever it is. Um, we have to eventually, you know, if it if it really is that important, you just have to treat it in a grown up way. Um, yeah, and 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 I well again, I haven't figured out how to do it yet. I mean, I am a very strong believer that people come to the shop floor and the, or or the workspace yeah. with, and they mm -hmm. use probably forty percent of their skills instead of the eighty percent, ninety percent, and and they're like. The, the financial chairman of their local football or soccer or rugby club. And, yeah. and now they come in here to make whatever paint or toothpaste or whatever you. Um, so I, I, I think it's really powerful to utilize that, that skill. Um, but then how do you make sure it works in a couple of years? And indeed, as you say, it's business, if it's business critical and it's, and it's John's macro that's running and yeah. you know, John, John's won the lottery. Um, hmm. Okay. Problem. The, the macro is less interesting now. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I do think if for, for it, well, if I think if you can do it with a good governance structure, it would be really, really powerful. And we had some ex, uh, um, examples in our company where we'd had a, a center that was running. Hmm. It was macros. It was small automations. People were really happy about it. They were really transparent about it. And when it became big, um, it became part of the IT infrastructure. Nice. That's that's a really happy path for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, you were talking about John and running the local football club when he's not at work, uh, which I think is it's one of it's one of the intangible benefits of automation, which is um, You've got knowledge workers and a lot of what they're doing doesn't actually require knowledge, right? It's just, it's kind of mechanical. So talk to me about, again, it's less tangible, but talk to me about some of the wins that you've seen uh, in that regard. Um, well, you have a finance background, right? And, and if I look at, at, at and, and so do I, if you look at the month end, right, there, there's loads of well, maybe it's language, but I call them silly processes, right? That you, you do repetitive tasks that, that makes make no sense. And then there's like 10% of those, those tasks that are important and which require you to have like a university level education, stuff like yes. that. Yes. And, and we, we've been trying to take a lot of that. So posting journals, for example, right? We, we, had, we came across business unit where posting journals in month end yes. uh, for like four euros per journal okay. yeah exactly so that that's not what you want to do when you run a 700 million euro uh, nope. a company business of a, uh, sorry country business so so that was part of eliminate you know you don't want to do this at all but if you really need to do it let's not do it or by a a, a master science person at at nine o'clock at night on a friday so we we ran a robot for that kind of, and okay. and because we were also an international company, you you'd have all these um, exchange rate issues with with this kind of stuff. Yep. You had to adjust for that, and and that was also a robot we ran. So if if yeah. in some countries, I mean, it, it, well nowadays it's almost in every country, but the the the, the, the rates go up and down all the time. 
yeah. quite significantly. Um, so that was one of the robots we built. Because then you, I'd like the financial people to really look at stuff and think about things instead of just doing SAP transactions and, and making manual adjustments for, for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Does that, does that answer your question? It, it does. That That is a um, two, two thoughts. Uh, one, great concrete example. Two, I have a lot of friends who are accountants uh, and I've, I've worked on trying to automate accounting processes. And I think accounting is one of those uh, fields that generates a lot of what you call silly processes. I think it's uh, sort of native to that work, unfortunately. Well, and it touches upon if you come in and say, I'm going to take this away, they, they, will, they, they might be thinking, hey, are you taking away my, my, my job? Which is, I think, in general, yeah. in in, yeah. in robotics, is a is a theme. It is, uh, and and also in continuous improvement, is a theme. Okay, you're going to 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 fire me. Yeah, right. No, but but to your to your earlier point, like, I think there are very few horror stories like that, and I think, um, I think RPA and automation professionals and vendors and consultants should be speaking more about the fact that. You're not doing that four euro journal entry at Friday, you know, nine o'clock on a Friday night. Um, you're doing the stuff that really requires the training and the expertise that you've built. And your mental energy is not being taken by things that really don't add a lot of value and, and could just be automated away. If you hire somebody that went to university and studied finance, and then you say SAP transaction, yeah. ABCD, that's not, a, that's not value for money. And and we Dutch people are very keen on value for money. So that's, yeah. that's and it, but it's still happening everywhere. It's like okay, yeah, this is just the way it is. And and then you take out that stuff, and then you take out of all these processes, and then and then you you require people to really think about what are you actually posting, and why is this happening, and why is this country always coming with this four euro journal entry at the latest moment? Yeah, and, yeah. and that that's the discussion I'd like to have. Absolutely. And uh, an automation COE doing things the right way and capturing the process the right, the right way really um, creates space and gives permission to have those conversations, which is, which is important. Yeah. And, and, and that's why I, I found it really good that we were part of, like the, the, the RPA was part of the continuous yep. improvement stuff. It's not just an, an IT department, you know, with a little, little nice gadget. But just it was an overall process, so that that I found that that really interesting and a good good way to set it up. Yeah. By the way, uh, we American people also like uh, value for money. That's why McDonald's burgers are so big. I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, and with that little one-liner, uh, yeah. we've been uh, we've been sort of implicitly talking about it. But the main topic we always like to cover on the podcast is unstructured data. You were yeah. talking about invoices, which are a form of more on the semi-structured side, but still documents generally. Um, when you're when you're thinking about automation or you're thinking about a new, um, you know, sort of process documentation, when someone says unstructured data, what things come to mind for you? What does that mean? Well, maybe it's it's closer to my mind yet yeah, still, but but the, the 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 whole invoice processing and all the documents that came into our company and. Yeah probably also went out of our company and, and you'd still have people delivering 40 tons 
I don't know what what that means in US, but you know, like yeah. a, a big a big truck full of yeah. stuff, and they'd have a have a paper, a, a, a piece of paper, and that needs to be processed somewhere. Yeah. Um, so that that springs into my mind. It it might not be the 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 Wikipedia definition, but that's 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 what comes into and and how do you deal with that because it such a document a bit of lading or whatever yeah. implies a lot of knowledge because you, you well first of all you need to know what's what's you know how to hold it what's what's the top what's the bottom yeah stupid stuff like that right it's it's yeah um and and then how how do you teach a robot to do that and how do you teach the operator not to fold it into seventy thousand? Crinkles, so so the, the OCR can't read it anymore. Yeah. And and how can we teach the supplier not to give us a piece of paper, but send it preferably like in a in some form of of, of format? Yeah, yeah. You highlighted uh, two of the difficulties with unstructured data. One is data quality, which is really an issue with all forms of data everywhere for all time. Uh, but you also highlighted the fact that you really need intelligence to understand it. You know, just the orientation of the page, right? It, we yeah. sort of take it for granted, but it's a, a form of intelligence. Um, what are some of the other challenges in working with unstructured data, especially as you're thinking about um, process automation? Hmm. Well, the, the ability to, to say to your vendors or suppliers or whatever to uh, say, okay, we want this uh, this format, but that I think is is a sign of weakness. We should be able to, okay. to deal with that. Yep, agreed. Um, we had, I mean, we had an issue in China, for example, where there was like loads of handwritten stuff coming in. Yeah. And you can't go say to China, look, you need to do this differently. I mean, they will just, you know. So, so the stuff you can't change. So you, you need to be better. Yeah. And and then you you we we hit like the edges of technology on this particular case in China. We 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 couldn't really do stuff about it. Um, we could border it a bit. We could say, okay, we. we uh, I'm just thinking about your question. It's you can only control so much. That's the thing. Yeah. And, and then for, for me, it came back to managing the expectations in, in, in my own company where you could say, okay, we can automate, but we cannot automate anything over everything. Yeah. Um, th that was for me the biggest struggle. And it's, it sounds a bit silly, I think, but managing the expectations inside the company was sometimes a bigger, bigger thing than. Oh yeah, than working with technology. Yeah, 100%. You're not alone. Martin in that Thank you. I can assure you uh, one of the one of the things that's really exciting to me uh, both in my role my day-to-day my -day role and in talking to folks like yourself that have such deep experience is that um, I think we're right at the point where the technologies are are getting good enough um, in the sense that okay we've had OCR for decades right but OCR is just it just tells you what letters are on the page and only if they're you know legible by the machine right so and maybe it tells you where they are on the page but what is the page uh and what's the context of the page and why do i care about it and how does it match with my mental model of what this data is i think there are now 
um, we're now starting to see that there are platforms that can start to do these things. And, and I think what's really exciting to me looking the next couple of years in the future is as professionals like yourselves start to incorporate those platforms into that automation fabric and really push it to its limits. I think, I think we're going to see an explosion of um, really exciting developments in the future. I, I hope so. Uh, yeah. it's been it's been sold to us for like years and years and years it, and, it has um, yes. it's well especially on the well on the ocr as well but but also okay what are you going to do with it if if the ocr reads it correctly what are you going to do because is it is it is it an invoice or is it is it your domino's pizza box that you're right. reading what yeah you know, who knows that's right yeah absolutely no that's a great that's a great distinction yeah go ahead no, no, so, so. Um, what do you, so a lot of organizations have, we talked, we talked, we've talked a lot about, um, the sort of flow of unstructured data. So invoice comes in, you know, bill of lading comes in, um, a lot of organizations, you know, we talked about finance shared background here. They just have stacks of documentation sitting in um you know blob stores or network file drives or yeah. people's computers what do you think are some of the risks that um, are inherent in just having that much data untapped sitting around in an organization i was just thinking first do you need that data in the first place yeah great question uh, and i i haven't figured it out but okay. uh, and and there's, of course there's regulatory stuff going on, uh, but I do remember a project in a in a country here in Europe, and I went to six sites and they said okay I said like what do you store oh this this document that document this document they all yeah. store different documents, and I I'm okay why do you do that yeah we have to do it because of the law, so I I yeah. I, found, I I called the lawyer, and he says well that that's just nonsense. And this was like rooms full of stuff, paper, wow. and they didn't need to store it. I mean, a digital copy would be okay. And that's still storing stuff. I mean, it still costs money, but I think I'm, I, I'm, I keep going, I keep going back to this whole eliminate, simplify, standardize, yeah. automate model is, do you need these things in the first place? Yeah. And I think, and in a lot of cases, the answer is no. Yeah. And and then if you need that, what exactly do you need? Do you need the letterhead? Do you really need the VAT number or or tax number yeah. or whatever you? Or, or do you just need the, the whatever the, the 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 article number? And if you do so, I mean you can. But then, I think people should look at these processes more. Uh, I think the word is holistically, right? That yeah. You, you, what am I trying to achieve here? Instead of just gathering files, be it digital, be it be it physical, and then sending them off to Iron Mountain after ten years to be destroyed in a very expensive way, it's it's it's. But then you're going across departments, right? Which so is who's, getting, who's getting the benefit? Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Good point. Um, you highlighted a another element I wanted to bring up, which is. Uh, it, a lot of times the unstructured data that's sitting around, it's just, it's full of unknown unknowns. Like we keep it, what's in there. I was working with an organization a number of years ago and they were interested 
they had thousands of client relationships with you know, sort of documents that govern those relationships. And over the years, as people started to rely more on data and cloud, the sort of data governance clauses in those contracts changed and got bigger or um, whatever it was. And uh, they wanted to know, like, what have we promised and to whom? And so I asked the question, well, we have some tools that could help with this. Can we put these uh, sort of terms and conditions in the cloud and run them through the tools? And uh, one, I had to explain what the cloud was to our attorneys or to their attorneys, which was uh, not, a, not a fun experience. And two, they ultimately said, you know what? We know so little about our own data governance relationships that we're not even sure we can put the terms and conditions in the cloud. And I was like, well, then I, I'm so sorry. I, I can't help yeah. you. Um, wow. It's just, you just don't know what's in there. Right. So it's, it can be very scary. Uh, okay. You, you, you triggered me with that one. I mean, yeah. one of my previous roles was with the customer service department and we would, we would go to people that bought our, our stuff and they made a service ticket and they write on it with a pen. Yeah. To the younger audience, that's uh, like, uh, you know, a writing device, but- Yeah, people used to scratch on paper yeah. with sticks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and that would be like, okay, this is wrong. We need to fix uh, component ABCD. Yep. And I, I don't see it getting more unstructured than that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, but that would make make a huge impact on our quality department, on our on our on our guarantee costs and everything. And somebody had to interpret that. Yeah. And and as long as we keep doing that kind of stuff, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And look, maybe someday we're not doing that that type of stuff, but the next few decades, I don't, you know, paper and pen are going all the way away. No. Yeah. And even then, maybe it, you know, maybe it's not actual paper, but it's going to be on a tablet, and it's still an image, right? Someone's still actually. Sure, no, okay. So we 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 were we we were working on tablets still. Okay. Yeah. Eyeless thing, but but, but still, still it, like, it takes yeah. intelligence to interpret it, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and then you know, Cindy was interpreting it all day, and but then she got sick, and then some, and Wendy came in, and then, you know, all sorts of stuff happened. Yeah. Um, we're coming up on on the top so of the hour. Yeah, I, I think that's that's as unstructured as it is. As yeah, it can that be. isn't that is unstructured as it is. Coming up on the top of the hour, and I wanted to highlight one element there, which is that um, unstructured requires intelligence. And you know, you were talking about how something as seemingly simple as an invoice process might really be seventy different sub processes, right? Yeah. And the thing about unstructured processes and processes that are driven by unstructured data is that that interpretation is not always the same, depending on who looks at that piece of paper. And I, I think that's a really good point that you made. And I just wanted to highlight that for the audience. And I've seen that in manufacturing as well, right? So if okay. we had recipes for like, well, just a paint and, and the recipe said, you know, mixed to a yogurt-like consistency. Okay. And, but the guy that did it, you know, he knew what was meant with it. So he didn't really okay. look at the, at the recipe. But then I know, well, you there. There's loads of, of types of yogurt, right? So, yes. is it thick? Is it thin? Is it you know? Is that flakes in it? Whatever. Yeah. So, when that process got transferred to a different site, um, the, the 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 consistency of the paint wasn't cool anymore. It wasn't good anymore. Yeah. And even in in like 
those kind of manufacturing processes, it's there's so much knowledge in people's heads that you really Absolutely. have to be very careful before you say, okay, this is how we do stuff around here. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's one of the places where I think the automation vendors have um, gone wrong in the last few years is like promising folks straight through processing for complicated documents and invoices actually tend to be pretty complicated in oh. that like you don't actually want that to be straight through there are important pieces of data on there that a human should have eyes on um, otherwise you end up with paint that's the wrong consistency uh, i mean if everything is fine then you, you'd have a perfect rpa process but you need to fix right. what's coming in and and that's and of course it's not really their business of of the vendors Kind of yeah. is, but you know, it's uh, if you have a, a, a really nice process, then you know you can do stuff with RPA that's like magical. But yeah. you, you need to fix the process as well, and you need to invest, and that that's that's a, quite a costly process. Yes. And and if you don't do that, then don't expect miracles of the RPA folks. That's that's my kind of takeaway. It's technology, not magic, right? Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, uh, as we close out here, I want to give you a chance to speak to your colleagues in the automation COEs out there in the world. What's your uh, what's your number one best piece of advice for folks? Um, and let's do it in two ways. One, early stage automation COE just getting started and then mature COE trying to figure out what the next thing to do is. What what pieces of advice would you give to those folks? Yeah, you're getting me in teacher mode now. That's, uh, let's go. My kid, let's my kids do hate it. that. Um, no, I would combine it. I mean, it's it's not one super magic bullet. It's 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 part of a program, and it, and if you don't see it as a part of a program, you're not going to succeed because people will expect savings of you that you you will not be able to deliver. So if you but if you see it as a part of the business and part of evaluating your processes, uh, robotics can be really really powerful. If you think oh, we're just going to throw in these guys and after six weeks, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Y you're going to be, you know, disappointed after six weeks. Yeah. Okay. Great advice. I don't know. Uh, hang in there. <laughs> <It's kind> of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Get there. Well, I mean, it's, it's cool technology. It's, it's because, but because it's making you think about your processes instead of, putting a bandaid on it, you, it's making you think about what your processes are. And I think that's the most powerful part. It is the most powerful part. One of the things that I've discovered as I've been interviewing folks for this podcast and just over my career consulting with people is that automation is a shockingly human endeavor. You know, it's supposed to be like, to your point, right? It's supposed to be Arnold Schwarzenegger and the robots take over the world, but it's not. It's really people figuring out what they do and, and how to make it better. Why do you drink coffee with your right hand? Right. That's great question. Yeah, and and then and, and that's that, that's kind of the level where you need to go to. Yeah. yeah well. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. It's, cheers. A, it, yeah. It, it's it, if you don't want to go there, then then don't don't try it. Don't try. It. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Martin. It uh it has been an absolute pleasure. This has been another episode of Unstructured Unlocked, and uh, best of luck out there as you continue to automate the world and make people's lives better. Thanks so much for your time. Take care. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unstructured Unlocked. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts today. 
Spotify, Apple, everywhere. Be sure to follow at Indico Data on Twitter and YouTube. Have a good day, Automator.